0: Welcome to episode forty-seven of Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church Presbyterian in Charleston, South Carolina. We are a, a podcast of Christ Church for the members of Christ Church, but if you're uh, listening in, we're also happy that you're uh, here with us today. And um, I'm here with my uh, good friend and co-laborer, uh, Pastor Ross Hodges. Uh, I'm John Payne, and. Um, our third host isn't here again
1: today and uh, Ross do you do you know where Gabe is I, you know he mentioned something about inventing a giant ball that he can drop down in the middle of hurricanes that he can be inside you know they drop it from a hurricane plane that he was going to get inside so he could study the hurricanes a little bit more. Wow. You know, kind of those big hamster balls? That you can see <laughs> rolling around in. That's going to be Gabe. He's going to study hurricanes he's, this way. He's going to be a giant hamster physicist. <laughs> yes, right? exactly. Uh, he's mentioned something that might be kind of a hairy problem. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Get the ball rolling with this sort of
0: research. Well, we certainly will make sure that uh, Gabe hears this episode <laughs> and uh, enjoys <laughs> some of this fun with us. But we're here today to talk a little bit about... Um, uh, this and that uh, related to church architecture. Uh, we want to uh, discuss uh, some of our own uh, experience with uh, looking for a long-term facility for Christ Church Presbyterian. Uh, uh, most of our listeners will know that we are uh, just on the other side of particularization. We uh, planted this church uh, recently. Uh, it's uh, We had our first service back in June of 2013. So we're a regular. uh, We're a young church. Uh, Some churches here in Charleston on the peninsula have uh, 250 years of history on them, and uh, we have four years. So we're we're young, and and uh, we have had various experiences with buildings that we have met in. And uh, we know that uh, all of us at times are becoming you know, impatient, wanting to have a long-term facility, maybe something a little more aesthetically pleasing than we're in now. Mm-hmm. But we wanted to talk a little bit about just our thoughts about church architecture, church buildings, uh, the struggle to find a church building, and just how we ought to be thinking about these things Christianly. Ross, why don't you tell some of our listeners about the uh, the journey of, of Christ Church and where we first started meeting up until we are at the place we're meeting today.
1: Yeah, so we started off downtown uh, in the Lily Chapel at First Scots Presbyterian Church. Uh, first Scots was very kind to us in allowing us to use that chapel for our evening worship services in the summer of 2013. And then... Uh, from there we moved uh, to uh, evening worship uh, in the sanctuary of St. Johannes Lutheran over on Hazel Street just north of the market um, and from there we were, we looked very hard for a space to have morning and evening worship downtown and nothing was available uh, there was nothing that, that was a good fit and so uh, being under the conviction that we really needed to start morning worship um, to add to our evening worship uh, we, we uh, spread our gaze a little bit further afield and uh, have since been at Moultrie Middle School uh, in Mount Pleasant, which is uh, just right near Shim Creek, uh, not too far from the Ravenel Bridge, uh, which has been a, a wonderful place. Uh, we've been so blessed to be there. We're so thankful uh, for. Uh, the school allowing us to use that space to rent it from them. All Um, things
0: considered a very affordable space. Very affordable,
1: lots of parking, room to grow, good nursery spot. Fairly new building, so a lot of natural light. Exactly, it's a beautiful building, so we're very thankful to be there. Um, But it is a middle school, and we are meeting in what we call the assembly hall, which is the cafeteria and auditorium combined. Mm and there are posters of football players and actors in the back. And there's gum on the seats. And the benches are so hard that some of our members have to bring pads to sit on. And um, that's just not in our idea. While we're very thankful the Lord has provided it, not really where we want to be for 30 years.
0: Yeah. So, or 29.
1: Or 29. Or <laughs> p- perhaps even three more. I mean, you know, well, So we're looking hard. We're looking hard for, for somewhere else that we could go that the Lord would provide that would be a little more comfortable um, and and certainly a little more aesthetically pleasing.
0: This week I posted an article uh, by Trevor Wax uh, on our... Trevin. Or Trevin, was, Trevin yeah, Wax so. on our Facebook page from the Gospel Coalition site. And it was entitled something like I'd Rather Have Jesus Than the Westminster Abbey. Yeah, yeah. And he... Uh, describes how recently he went to a service at the Westminster Abbey which would be a kind of a high Anglican service and he as an evangelical uh, Christian believer uh, was very moved at the aesthetic beauty of his surroundings Uh, the towering uh, uh, walls and uh, uh, flying buttresses and Mm the, the music from the choir, the, the organ which made the, the floor tremble, mm. Uh, mm. the beauty of the liturgy, the various scripture readings. He, he, he lamented a bit about the 10-minute the sermon about uh, global uh, hunger and, and, and global warming and world peace. world peace and finding strength inside of you.
1: and No mention really,
0: of Jesus. No, men- no mention of Christ in the sermon. And he began to reflect upon how he had been in several sanctuaries in various countries, some third world countries, like, you know, for instance, being in Romania. He mentioned that um, he was in a very humble kind of building, and yet Christ was priest with mm-hmm. zeal, and uh, the warmth of true Christian fellowship was there uh, like, the, like it wasn't at the Westminster mm-hmm. Abbey. Yeah. I, too, was in a service at the Westminster Abbey just a couple of years ago. and had a very similar experience at, mm. uh, that he did. And um, so interesting to think about church architecture in terms of what are you actually getting inside that facility. Yeah. So some would put so much emphasis upon the building that it would actually eclipse the very thing that you're supposed to be doing in that building. Yes. Namely, hearing the Word of God faithfully preached, mm-hmm. hearing Christ and His Gospel faithfully preached, yes, and the table being faithfully administered. And uh, so, an interesting contrast there. I thought we could talk about that a little
1: bit. Yeah, I think, um, I think it's important to remember that uh, for centuries, Christians have been worshiping in places that um, are not aesthetically pleasing. And you have Christians at various times and places worshiping uh, in, in circumstances where they feared for their life. And so maybe out in a field somewhere, maybe in a barn. Catacombs. Maybe in catacombs, that's right. Um, you know, maybe in someone's house. Uh, and the important thing about worship is that God meets you there. God meets you in word and sacrament. Um, he sends his spirit to work through uh, his means of grace. And so that's why we have no problem meeting in a middle school cafeteria. It's because God meets us there. As his word is preached, as his people worship, something special happens. There's something that is transcendent. Um, and it doesn't matter where you are. You could be under an oak tree, can, in, in a barn, Yes, in a middle school,
0: or in a great cathedral.
1: Yes. And the same thing is happening in each one. And that's, that's where we say we would never choose aesthetics over over christ we would never choose uh, to have a, even the most magnificent building in the entire world um, if christ wasn't going to be present in the preaching and the sacraments amen
0: i remember um, a story where some uh, world war one captives uh, were uh, wanting to gather together to worship and they were in a prison camp, hmm. and they were would not be allowed to to gather together to worship because you know they would the enemy would think that they were maybe trying to come up with a scheme to escape or right. or, or, or you know be unruly. So in order to meet to study the Bible and to and to worship, they would meet in a building that housed corpses, hmm. and they would go to that kind of extreme to be alone and to spend time with God together as as fellow Christian soldiers mm-hmm. fighting for their lives in this, this concentration camp uh, so even there yeah God meets with his people yes he
1: does and so the what makes the cafeteria seem pretty nice <laughs> yeah I'll take no. a cafeteria over a morgue for yeah, sure yeah um, so what we're saying here is that in one sense the surroundings the setting the aesthetics in one sense it doesn't matter Um, god meets with you and that's what is important but we also at the same time we want to nuance that and we don't want to say that uh... church architecture is meaningless or that it has no purpose so uh... let's talk about that for a minute why are we not content in one sense to stay in a middle school cafeteria forever well one of the uh
0: pragmatic reasons that comes to mind is that we only have it on Sundays. Right. And it would be wonderful to have a facility, not just a sanctuary, but an entire facility that would uh, encourage uh, and facilitate ministry throughout the week. Amen. I mean so that would be one of the main things. Is, you know, we we are blessed to have this office suite downtown here. On, on the corner of Broad and King here in the heart of Charleston. We're doing a lot of wonderful ministry out of these these offices. Mm-hmm. Had our Bible study this morning uh, yes. in Romans with the men. Um, but uh, it, it would be better to have a facility where we could have various youth and children's gatherings and Bible studies and fellowship throughout throughout the week. Uh, so, so that would be the first thing. Also... Church architecture, when done thoughtfully, it reinforces biblical truth.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, A lot of folks haven't thought about this, that when you walk into a traditional sanctuary or a contemporary sanctuary, Mm there is a theology that is being reinforced. Mm -hmm. And uh, it used to be Mar- modern parlance uh, used to be that when you spoke about a sanctuary in church architecture you would talk about the nave and the chancel and uh, the pulpit yeah, uh, and uh, the, the choir loft and uh, these kinds of things. Well now because of what some have called worshiptainment <laughs> that there's been such a melding together of this kind of seeker-driven, seeker-focused worship, mm-hmm. namely that that the worship is designed for the unbeliever, right, rather than for discipleship. That now the uh, the pulpit has become the stage,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, you have a f- high focus on uh, uh, you know all the lights and the cameras and the the uh, dry ice machines and smoke and all of this and the, the all the plugged-in instruments. and Right, right. And so rather than the focus being on in traditional architecture, the Word of God being central in the life of that church with a central and raised pulpit.
1: Mm-hmm. By the
0: way, a fixed pulpit too, not one you just move around all the time. Right. And the font and the Lord's Table being just below that pulpit reinforcing that the Word of God must inform the way we do the sacraments mm-hmm. um, and in reformed architecture the choirs have always been in the back of the sanctuary so not as to distract the people from the Lord Jesus Christ and worship and mm-hmm. feeling like there is a show going on because it's not entertainment it's not entertainment it's not a performance it's worship mm-hmm. and so so traditional architecture, has, has reinforced a theology of the centrality and elevation of the Word of God, and by the way, of the office of the minister mm-hmm. as being exalted, not exalted, but elevated, in the pulpit in order to demonstrate and exhibit that he is in a place of spiritual authority in the lives of God's people, mm-hmm. and that he's held accountable as well to doing what he's called to do. So, in all of these things, in addition to the high ceilings and, and more gothic types of architecture, your eyes are are brought to uh, brought heavenward rather than the ceiling being right on top. Yeah, it's communicating something about the transcendence of God and God's bigness and our, our smallness and our need of Him.
1: And that, that's important, isn't it? And in, in our day, we live in a time where the whole idea of transcendence has really been lost in a lot of ways oh, yeah um, it, sort of everything is common everything is on the same level yeah
0: the imminence of God is stressed but not the transcendence yes
1: yeah, so the imminence or the closeness of God or his communion with his people and so um, well-meaning uh, uh, well-meaning pastors and churches have wanted to stress that uh, that God is, is here he's with you he you know he um, he meets with you and so you can be comfortable in, in these sorts of things but but what happens then is it misses uh, the, the transcendence of God that, that while it is true that um, if you are a Christian, you're a believer, that you have nothing to fear from God in the sense of um, that you will you know, be consumed in his presence or something like that, God is still God, and he's still king, and he is still um, a deity to be taking uh, very seriously. Yeah. He's, he's our loving le- father,
0: but he's also the sovereign yes. Lord of
1: the universe. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so, oftentimes what happens is that second part of what you said, that he's the sovereign Lord of the universe, that that sort of gets forgotten and the aesthetics of worship reinforce that because then it's, it's worship becomes very casual, it becomes something that looks like uh, it looks like, feels like other things that you do, such as going to a movie theater or a coffee shop or just having kind of casual conversation. And I think part of the point you're making is that architecture has come to reinforce that.
0: Yes, yes. The uh, the Babylon Bee, that satirical website, is yeah very, very. Uh, <laughs> there was one recently that uh, had the headline: uh, "Girl uh, realizes after two hours that she wasn't." Uh, in, a, in a dance club, she was in a church. Right. So she, she <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just a satirical kind of article, but just saying that this girl, she didn't know that she was not at another club because she had been clubbing that night. and yeah. She was actually in a church, but she didn't realize that she thought, thought she was still at a club. I, I think there's supposed to be a bit of a difference between the way a secular dance club is communicating themselves and the way the church should be communicating
1: Right, and so while we would have many, many, many extremely serious disagreements with uh, the <laughs> Roman Catholic Church and the, uh, what happened throughout the Middle Ages and so forth, something we do think they got right is the, uh, the overall thrust of their architecture. So you go to Europe, and in every city, every major city, there's a, a cathedral, that is grand, with huge pillars and tall ceilings and um, with a sort of a focus towards the front uh, where, well, in, unfortunately in their case, it would have been uh, on uh, the, a, a focus on mass uh, instead of the Word. Uh, but the, the point being that there was an idea of transcendence, that you walk into the building and you realize that something... Holy is happening here. Something set apart. Something different. This is not the same thing as going to a club. Not that they had clubs, but going to club or to movies or to the theater. To the theater, exactly. This is not entertainment. This is this is uh, something very special. And so, part of what we want to do in in our search uh, for a building uh, and with our hopes and desires for the future is that whatever architecture we are able to work with or uh, build or modify mm-hmm. um, is that there will be something to that. So uh, what are some of the things, um, this as our folks are listening to this, what are some of the things that we will hope to see uh, in the future? You've already mentioned a central pulpit. Um, some of the things that we're hoping to see in a, a building one day.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, 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 we've talked about this before. Uh, I've done so through some writing to the congregation that it would really be optimal for us to be able to perhaps uh, uh, rent or, or, or share, lease some space from a church that may be going through hard times, that maybe they could use some extra income and we could uh, uh, have a place to settle and to grow a little bit. Um, that might be optimal if it was a, a space that, had some of those ecclesiastical distinctives that we've been talking about regarding mm-hmm. uh, that you know communication of the transcendence of God and the and the, the beauty of God and the creativity of God and the permanence of God you know the, yeah. the brick and the wood and the stone it it, it, it reinforces the the permanence of God um, rather than you know erecting a glorified tool shed and putting a cross right. on the front of it yeah. um you know, we don't want to have something that looks like it's going to blow away in the first strong wind. Mm. Um, we, because of our size right now, being at around 170, 180 members, uh, with between 170 and 200 um, coming on Sunday mornings, we uh, want to have a space that's going to be able to uh, accommodate us if we have some growth. Uh, which we hope to continue to have steady uh, growth. And so I'd say we, we would need at least room to be able to seat uh, between 350 and 400 people if we're going to be there for 5 to 10 years or, or, or longer, if it becomes mm-hmm. a space that we can, can, can be in for, for the long, long haul. Um, of course, parking issues uh, come up. Yeah, when when we're uh, looking for a space downtown here on the peninsula, uh, and I do want to say again, uh, for the sake of our people, that we have always from the from day one of this church plant, been committed to either being on the peninsula or in the southern part of Mount Pleasant, south of the IOP. Some may wonder, well, why don't we just get a place out in Ladson, or why don't we buy some land um, north of Goose Creek, or or you know right. that kind of a thing. Well, the reason is that we are. Uh, Uh, strategically uh, committed to being in what we consider the kind of heart of the downtown Charleston area Mm -hmm. now we've included in that um, the couple of miles beyond the bridge in Mount Pleasant uh, and part of this has to do as well in terms of our search with our sister PCA churches that are in the area we Mm -hmm. don't want to to get too close to them um, Mm -hmm. uh, to uh, uh, in that reason so so we're we're looking in particular places that have a lot of consideration and uh, moving parts to it. But those are the places that we are committing in downtown or Southern Mount Pleasant.
1: So if one of our four listeners uh, happens to come across. I think there are five now. Oh, there are five? Okay, yeah. excellent. Okay, yeah. well, yeah. congratulations to the fifth one. You get a door prize. Uh, <laughs> if, if one of our five listeners uh, happens to come uh, come across something that I think might be helpful or interesting what should they as far as property search what should they do with that yeah I mean just recently I got an email
0: from one of our members uh, yesterday actually that was uh, saying hey I, I, I see a property and I'm not sure that that's going to work out um, but uh, let us know uh, email uh, Pastor Ross email me and uh, we'll follow up on it. it looks like something that's you know to follow up on we'll do that and we'll let our elders know and um we'll see what's going on. We, a few months ago, we, we were going to maybe move on a property. We actually voted as a congregation to move forward, and the very next day, the, the owner took the, uh, the property off the market. So we were scratching our heads at that a little but We know the Lord is sovereign, and we're, yeah. we're praying for patience. And uh, the big thing is that we wanted to reinforce is, you know, the most important thing is that we as God's people are gathering together and hearing the Word preached, worshiping God according to scripture and loving each other and meeting up during the week and encouraging each other and reaching out to the lost those are the main things we need to be Mm -hmm. focused on and we'll trust the Lord and wait upon him for the right space uh, to be in long term and we also want to be careful about that we don't want to rush into something that uh, may be too small or may not quite fit uh, what we want to do and so we're trying to be careful at that but we do want to let uh, our congregation know uh, through this podcast and elsewhere that we are working hard uh, to find ourselves a long-term space. Yes. Uh, it's almost a daily thing. We're talking about it, praying about it, looking online. Uh, Pastor Ross and I just yesterday went and walked through a building on East Bay Street and mm-hmm. found out during that walkthrough that there are already two letters of intent on that. and uh, So things are moving fast real estate-wise in the area. And we're just thankful that we're uh, a unified healthy growing church with finances that uh, are in order and healthy and our budget's healthy and we're just praising god for where he has mm-hmm. us four years into this this uh, work
1: yeah i think a couple of things here as we close uh for our listeners for our, our folks uh, please pray don't stop praying yes. um let us be committed to prayer uh, mm-hmm. we believe that with that situation pastor john just mentioned where the the owner took it off the market the day after we voted to to move forward on it. Um, We believe that was a clear answer of God's providence to our prayers, that this is not what he had for us. And we were thankful for that. So um, let us pray and and therefore let us be uh, patient and trust the Lord. Um, All things considered, we are still a very young church. Uh, We have not been around that long. Um, There are many church plants that um, in God's providence, they don't even particularize for five, six, seven years. Um, not to mention, have any sort of resources where they could look for um, they they could look for a building or land that sort of thing. The first, first
0: Scots Presbyterian that we first met in was established in 1731.
1: Yes, so they've been around for a little while to be able to have a building like that. Um, perhaps when we've been around 400 years, we can we can have a building uh, if if God gives us that kind of length. We've got a building like that. But just, we we do want to encourage us all, we're speaking to ourselves as well, let's keep it in perspective, let's not become impatient, Um, and and let's trust the Lord through prayer as we lay this at his feet while we look at real estate prices and the market and availability or lack of it around here while we get overwhelmed. It's not overwhelming to the Lord.
0: Amen, amen. Ross, before we close, I want to relay just a quick story. I was over in... um, Milan, Italy, a couple of years ago with our friend Andrea Ferrari. Yeah. And he uh, one day took me over to the Duomo Cathedral. Mm. Uh, that cathedral, uh, where Anselm preached, uh, <laughs> took 500 years to build. Oh. 500 years. And you walk through there and you look at the exterior of that building. I think it's the second largest behind St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. It's the second largest cathedral in the world. Mm. And, and, and it is just a sight to behold. Uh, Now, as a Reformed Protestant, uh, my stomach quickly starts turning when we walk in and see all the idolatry and uh, so forth going on inside the building. But it's a magnificent architectural feat, there's no question. Mm. Um, A couple days later, I went into Lord's Day worship at uh, the uh, Reformed Church of Milan Mm. Uh, where there are about 50 members, and they meet in a storefront, and uh, where Christ is so richly and beautifully preached and embraced Mm. by the people there. There was a warmth and a joy that I didn't see at all inside the Duomo Cathedral. In fact, I saw one woman uh, lighting a candle and praying to a skeleton for dead relatives. And so, you mm. talk about a, a, a religion and a culture of death uh, there. Uh, you have a, a, a person praying, not to God, but, but praying to a dead saint for dead relatives. Mm. So, it's a culture of death. And not praying to the living Christ for the living. Mm. Uh, so, uh the contrast is big there, and that is what we want to leave people with on this podcast, to know that, that what we have at Christ Church is very, very special. Amen. A unified congregation who are all pursuing Christ together in his word, and that is exponentially more
1: important than, uh, than a beautiful building, though we would love that too. <laughs> that is right. That is right. So if you hear anything or see anything, please let us know. And in the meantime, keep praying, and we look forward to being with you again uh, next time on Between the Times.